the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. I was just thinking of a situation oh, about, uh, I won't say how many years ago, quite a few years ago, when I was in uh, Queenstown pastoring a church down there. And uh, we had a, a ski school, um, he was in charge of the ski school at, uh, at Coronet Peak and, and Remarkables, and uh, he was attending our church, and a uh, Swiss guy, very extremely able, I saw him do one of those long jumps, you know, sort of 50, 60 metre jumps one time during a competition, and yeah, very impressive, he brought up in the snow. Anyway, he, uh, he said to me sometime, I'm thinking of doing a walk around the front of the Remarkables, which is... If Remarkable is about 2,300 metres high, and the, the walk is probably just a bit under 2,000 metres uh, high. And uh, you look at it from Queenstown, you can see often through the air, you can see a bit of snow which is, sits around that area, just, just below the peak. And he said, there's a, there's a walk pathway around there, and, and uh, you know, I'd like you to come with a walk with me. So uh, I said, okay, give it a go. Um... <laughs> I didn't realise what it was like. It's <laughs> you walk, you go up to the top of the Shadow Basin, which is a ski lift, goes up there. Um, of course, it was not in winter, so we walked up, go over the top and go round the front. And uh, you get onto the pathway. Well, it's hardly a pathway. There's, there's a sort of a, a cut into the rock face, and in places there's huge boulders, I mean massive boulders in front. And, and then there's this sort of narrow edge in front of it and uh, it's quite loose and when you put your foot down it's the most scary sensation you can ever have because it your foot goes down probably about this far before it goes solid and and down there is a drop of 1500 meters so you know it's not it's not kind of for the faint-hearted and I'm one of the faint-hearted um there were places where the snow was be between these big boulders and the rock, but there were places where there wasn't and where I could, I'd go around behind the stone and walk along. And so we walked along the face, but that wasn't the scariest part of the walk. We got to the far end and we went round, which is really south-facing, and there were some snow slopes and they're quite steep and, um, and they were icy and we had to cross them. So I... I, I grabbed a piece of rock to use as a sort of like a pickaxe if I started to slide, and I was, I was scared. Now, he knew the snow, and I've never seen anyone do it before, but he was just wearing sort of uh, relaxed shoes, and he skied across the snow on his shoes, you know. Me, I was like this. <laughs> anyway, I survived, obviously. <laughs> um, so that prepares for this passage which I'm going to read. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and 14, two of the most sobering verses in scripture. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It's a very, very sobering passage. Two ways, two paths. And the one around the front of the Remarkables is probably more akin to the first one, the narrow path. Definitely not a wide one. I'm going to read a psalm, 
which really brings out this passage from Matthew. So let's turn to Psalm 73. And uh, verse 1 starts off, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. It's really interesting as you read that because it's actually a summary of the psalm. He's actually saying what he comes to at the end, but not where he's at through the first part of the psalm. As for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. I'm reading a a slightly older NIV version, but it's very similar. I think it says their evil imaginations know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued or afflicted. I have been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Now, one thing I like about this psalm is this guy is so honest. He's, he's, not, he's not hiding his feelings or his, what's going on inside him. And, and I, it's something I really, it's, I suppose it's something I've always felt in my Christian life and walk is, is all of us have sort of internal conversations, feelings, thoughts going on inside of us. And, and we know what the Christian view is, the Christian doctrine, the Christian truth is, but sometimes that's there and we are way over here. We are struggling. We are wrestling with things. And, and, and many areas of our life, we can be going through real challenge. And, and, but we don't talk about it to other Christians because that, would be, that wouldn't look good. In fact, you know how, uh, I won't try, Uwen Unwin, however his name was, the guy I just shared earlier. He, 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 he talked about being concerned about how people thought about him. He was concerned about 
you know, yeah, trying to live up to others and, and, you know, be well thought of, I suppose, and be accepted. But, you know, we carry that into our Christian lives. And we're not always that honest with each other. But, you know, it doesn't really matter what other Christians think of you. Only one person matters, and that's God. And to be free of worrying about what others think about you. Uh, I mentioned in the first service, uh, uh, someone who shared who was on the staff of a very, very large Baptist church, which had many, many small groups. And, and she said, you know, Christians are so dishonest. The only really honest groups we have going on in our church is Alpha. Because in Alpha, people just open up their hearts and many non-Christians, and they don't mind caring, saying what they think. But she said so many of our, our church groups, people are not honest and open about what's really going on inside of them. I just say that because we, we would set ourselves really free if we could be more open and honest with each other and we'd save ourselves a lot of pain. But this guy's honest. My feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What he's doing here, he's on the narrow path. Clearly he's on the narrow path. But he's looking at the people on the wide path. Which is probably something all of us have done or are doing. And now he describes those people that he's looking at. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. And, and he goes on, they scoff and speak with malice. and their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. In other words, they've got followers, lots of followers. Who are these people? Well, I suppose uh, the celebrities, the influencers, as we would, as a modern term, top people in sport, people who are wealthy and big names, people who stand above the average. That's the kind of people who's looking at, not the ordinary people of, of planet Earth, but the, the people who stood out. And, and they were not just nice people, they were people who were pretty pretty brutal with their tongues and, and maybe even brutal in their behavior towards others. But nevertheless, their followers loved them and they loved the way they spoke so boastfully and proud and that's why you'll find that, you know, people who, the atheists and the ones who are most outspoken against God often have quite large followings, particularly if they've drifted out of the church. And these are the people he's looking at. No struggles. Oh, you know, they don't have to struggle with sin because they don't believe in it. They, they just, their lives are so full. They've got all the toys that you can imagine. They, they, you know, they're the sort of people who just won $17 million last night in Auckland. You know, that'd be nice to have, wouldn't it? You know, if you won $17 million, it would probably destroy you. But... That's not what he was seeing. He was seeing how nice to have that. How nice to have that. And this is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. They just, they just have it so sweet. And, and, and they say, how can God know? Does the Most High know anything? They mock God. 
And, and what seems strange is that heaven's silent. There's no answer from heaven. They just live like this and get away with it. And, and me, and this is what he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. You know, in, in vain, he's really saying in vain I've become a Christian. That's how honest he is. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. This Christian walk, it's not sort of meeting my expectations. All day long I've been plagued, afflicted, I've been punished every morning. You know, it's been a hard walk, it's been tough, I've gone through, and he's obviously was facing a lot of hardship over a period of time, and, and he was struggling, and he was wrestling, and he was saying, how come they have it so good, and I have it so hard, if, if I'm serving God, why does he make my life so difficult, and their life so sweet, it's not fair, and, and he was really struggling, really struggling no question in vain have I kept my heart pure surely in vain now we're not like this all the time in our Christian lives but there can be times when these words reflect what's going on inside us and we wouldn't say them to anyone else in fact it's better if we don't because it says in this case if I'd said I will speak thus I would have betrayed your children because those are the words of unbelief and they're the words that don't just cause us harm but it causes harm particularly to younger Christians you know it's it's really crucial as Christians as we go on in our lives that we don't drift into this kind of cynicism and hardness and unbelief when I tried to understand all this it was oppressive to me because one of the things I realized is our minds are a really important part of us. Through our minds, we read the Word of God. Through our minds, we think, and, and God speaks to our minds, eh? not only to our minds, but our minds are an integral part of us, but our minds are limited. And, and we can come to a point where we feel very clear about what we are thinking, and we feel we've come to a good, logical, rational way of thinking but we can be totally wrong and in fact there are some things we face in life that we can't understand they're just out of our depth and the Christian life is one of those things at this point he made the most only decision only good decision he could make and that was to change where he looked. He could have at that point turned and gone away. In fact, slipped over to the wide road, I would say, whether that fits your doctrine or not. He could have turned away from God. But he didn't. He entered the sanctuary of God. The sanctuary of God, that's the house of prayer. As, as David said of that sanctuary, 
He said, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and the glory. That was the place where they went to meet with God, to see God. And then and only then could he gain a perspective. And it's not just in your heads, it's in your hearts. It's a kind of a, it's, he got the big picture and he got it right. And this is so important to get this picture right. He's understood their final destiny of those on the wide road. Because these two roads are completely distinct. One is narrow and one is wide. And they go to completely different destinations. And he says, he he sees their destination. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. And You know, it's one thing a few years on this planet helps you see is people who strut up and down the face of this world with big mouths and and arrogant behavior and Wealthy, powerful, suddenly are gone. They're no longer around. They had huge influence when they're here. They have zero influence now because they're gone. They're just like fantasies. They've disappeared. But it's also where they've disappeared. They've been cast down to ruin. And that's, Scripture's very clear. This is a reality. And so, you know, where do you want to end up? What's the destination you want to get to? You know, if I want to go to Kaitaia, I go on the road to Kaitaia. I don't go on the road to Wellington <laughs> to get to Kaitaia. So you want the road to destruction? Well, there's a good road. It's a wide road. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a great road because everybody's with you on that road. You're all flowing in the same direction. You're accepted on that road. And, and uh, you've got another advantage because on the narrow road, which is a very difficult road, like the one around the front of the Remarkables, um, you've got three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, who are against you continually. On the wide road, those three are all for you. Although I don't think the devil is for anybody, actually. He only wants to destroy. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, he wants to destroy you. But he doesn't put as much effort into the unbelievers as he does into believers. And so he says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. He realizes his thinking was so, so wrong when he was focused on the world, when he was focused on this life, when he was focused on other people and he was envious of them. He was ignorant. He was senseless. I was a brute beast before you. But now he's getting the picture. And he sees something which the people on the wide road don't have, but that he has. Something he was blind to, he'd lost sight of, but didn't actually change the fact that it still was real. Verse 23, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. 
even in his real strong reaction, the Lord was with him. The Lord was holding him by his right hand. It was almost like if you've ever held a little kid. I remember my little granddaughter one time, um, and I was holding her by the right, and she wanted to run out in the road. And I just held on, and she told me what she thought of me. <laughs> and uh, we do that to God. We tell him what we think of him because he's holding so hard onto us he won't let us go and destroy ourselves, but we don't like it. You hold me by my right. How intimate that is. I love it. He's holding me by my right hand. That's close. That's intimate. That's what you get on the narrow path. And you get none of that on the wide path. You guide me with your counsel. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. It's the Lord is with you and he's guiding you. In fact, on the wide path, it's only darkness. On the narrow path, there is light. There is direction. God speaks and guides and leads us continually. Sadly, because we've drifted from him, he's having to often do it totally unconsciously. But it's wonderful. And afterward, you will take me into glory. That's the end of the narrow road, glory. But even on the narrow path, we, have, we enjoy the presence of the Lord. And then he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I really, I really want to say, all of you have hearts that hunger. You have desires and thirsts and longings. But this world, even, even things that aren't bad, cannot satisfy your soul. It cannot. It will leave you empty if you make that your pursuit. You know, in this world, people make their forever house and then they sell it three years later. Um, people, you know, I, I used to notice Queenstown was a place where people were really into big time sport and I, I remember one, one guy sharing about how he used to um, do downhill skiing, you know, and sort of 100 miles an hour, they even talked to miles per hour then, 100 miles per hour, downhill. And, uh, and he talked about it, he was talking at the high school actually, and uh, as he was talking, you know, the, everyone was all the kids were spellbound listening to him talking about it. And, and, and then at the end of it, he, he sort of had to finish off with a sort of summary. And he says, that's what life's all about. That's what life's all about. I could see all the kids in the high school just switch off. They, somehow they, they knew what his, his summary was empty. You know, people try and do greater and greater, more challenging things, and that's why we have the most extreme sports around them. People are constantly being challenged and will do all sorts of things, and a lot of it is because they're trying to fill the void in their heart. They're trying to find satisfaction. But even in my generation, many, many years ago, someone wrote a song called I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And, and you know... The trouble is when we drift to ours, the world, our relationship with God becomes very 
he becomes distant and we don't find satisfaction in him because we have drifted in our gaze. We've got our eyes on the wrong thing. And, and the Lord, I, I find it amazing with the almighty God that he, he waits for us to turn back to him. He's so gentle. In fact, it talks about his wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above as being submissive. God's voice to me is a submissive voice, and he's the almighty God. He's so gentle and gracious and longing for us to come to him, but he does not force. He, 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 he seeks for us to love him out of our own free will and heart. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. When he saw the Lord again, he realized the truth came home. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I remember, well, it's a passage where, where the Lord spoke to Abraham. And he said to Abraham, I, am your exceeding great reward. Now there's a, actually, we have a couple here and it was, it was the father, the father of them who spoke. It was about the 70th wedding anniversary. And he said, paradise is not where you are, but who you are with. And you know, the attraction of heaven to me is him, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.